welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. What you think about Hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm thrilled you can join us today. We are going to be talking with the founder of Answers for Elders, and they are all about serving not only our seniors, but those that care for them. But before I introduce you to our guest, I always like to give a shout out first to the Mark Arneson Band, who lets us use their music clarion call for our opening song, which you can download, by the way, on any of your favorite music platforms. And then also, we're always getting new listeners. So for those of you that really don't know much about us, I'm Lori LeBay. My mom lived with dementia for 30 years, and I wanted to do something to help us all connect and not feel so isolated and find the resources, tools, and products that we need. And so we started Alzheimer's Speaks, which is a gathering basically of friends and colleagues and people all around the world at all different levels. Everyone is welcome from those diagnosed to families, to businesses that serve. Uh, We have um, musicians and singers and songwriters and movie directors and researchers and advocates and and even kids. Kids are doing some pretty powerful stuff out there. So again, I just want to welcome you all to the show today. And I'm going to do a couple of quick shout outs here. One is I want to remind people to check out our our kind of our mothership, alzheimerspeaks.com. There we have one tab you can click on that will get you all of our free resources, which there are many from tools to different types of recordings like Dementia Chats, where the true experts are actually living with dementia, um, to if, if you're looking for um, keynotes and programs, we do that. We can also help you with advertising as well in a real niche market. Now, another one that I want to give a shout out to is Dementia Map. Dementia Map is something that I collaborated with Dave Wiedrich on. Dave is the founder of the Memory Cafe Directory. But, uh, and so we worked together to come up with this concept that I've actually wanted for almost 40 years from the day my mom was diagnosed. I thought, why isn't there a place where we can find services, products, and tools easily? And that doesn't cost us an arm and a leg. In fact, our site is totally free to access. We have over 150 different categories. We are building it slowly, but everyone is welcome from, from large businesses to small businesses to people that don't even look at themselves as a business, but are a great resource. So please go check out DementiaMath.com. Okay, so with no further ado, let me go ahead and introduce you to Suzanne Newman. Uh, She is the host of Answers for Elders radio show and podcast, and she has actually spent the past 25 years in sales and media and marketing management before she was kind of pulled into a six-year journey that would change her life. On this journey, caring for her mother, it would become one of the greatest and yet most challenging segments of her life. 
And through her trials and tribulations of being a family caregiver herself, it really inspired her to move outside of, of corporate and to build answers for elders, which helps provide support and educate families across the country who are experiencing their own journey um, within this complicated world of elder care. And within each of her episodes uh, for Answers for Elders, Suzanne is joined by a vetted, trustworthy professional. And they have over 65 categories of expertise, um, including health and wellness, life changes, living options, money, law, and so much more. Well, Suzanne, I am so thrilled to have you on the show today. Um, We have known each other for years. Yes, Um, we have. (laughs) Doing the same thing in different ways. And Mm -hmm. it's just been really uh, fun to watch you grow in terms of what you're doing with Answers for Elders. So I can't wait for our audience to hear more about what you're doing. But before I, I go into my line of questioning, I always ask everybody if they've been personally touched by dementia in any shape or form in their own family or circle of friends? You know, um, it has touched my life in several ways, but most importantly, number one, my stepmother passed away from Alzheimer's disease. um, And that was, um, you know, watching her in the early stages of, you know, asking me questions over and over again, um, that was part of it. But um, my mother also had vascular dementia, which was a symptom and an evolution from her COPD um, and her vascular issues. So um, yes, so it has touched my life. And, um, you know, I, it's, it's a very, uh, you know, impactful thing, but um, I also now have the opportunity to interview um, some of the top doctors in the world that are, um conducting breakthrough clinical trials on, on um, advances in treatment of Alzheimer's and dementia. And that gives me hope because I really believe that there is a future out there that there will be a cure. And um, I've heard some amazing things and I've really been honored to, you know, to visit directly with them. So wonderful. I I know that feeling all too well, especially when it's hit your family and that question covers yeah. Consciously or unconsciously, could I be next? You know, it doesn't yeah. matter the family. Yeah. All of those things, uh, you know, we don't really talk about, but it floats through people's minds. Well, and now they're they're identifying that there's a chemical in the brain. Um, it's it that actually it's analoids, I think is what it's called, that actually they can detect early. Mm-hmm. Um, and by doing that, and if they detect it early before symptoms show up, they can actually treat that person and they will never get the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease. And that's amazing. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of controversy out there on, because there was a nun study. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, where some people, uh, the nuns, some of them had amyloid and never had any symptoms. Of Amyloids, that's what it yep. is. Yeah. And others had am uh had the amyloids and um were fine i mean it was just kind of all over the board so mm-hmm. there's there's you know in the research area and what i yeah. hear is there's there's a lot of of different variables and mm-hmm. I, I know for me what, one of the things that i'm also really interested in is the social care and yes. getting the support until we get a cure and i yeah. kind of think it's probably going to end up being like 
cancer where there's so many different, they're going to need different cocktails for different versions of cancer. Correct. Absolutely. There's so much more to learn, but I think Lori, one of the things that's really powerful is that, you know, we, that you and I who talk to people every day, I do believe someday there will be a cure, at least in the early stages of Mm -hmm. Alzheimer's and dementia. And um, I think that's closer than we realize. I think so too. Anyways, I want to hope so. I want to hope. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and our our thoughts make our realities. So if we get everybody (laughs) on that page, maybe we can speed up that process. Let's talk a little bit about your backstory in terms of you Mm -hmm. caring for your mom. Everybody kind of walks into this journey. Don't we ever? (laughs) So how, how did you end up in that role? Or was that something you always thought would happen? Huh. <laughs> no. Um, so Lori, what happened with me in my world, which is kind of crazy, is I ended up um actually um being called to take care of my mom in 2005, really, or 2006. Um, I was vice president of a pretty well-known publishing company um in sales and marketing. Um, had a sales team. I was, you know, publishing two print publications, overseeing a digital side of the publication and ended up basically um, being pulled out of a sales meeting to say my mother had fallen and broken her pelvis. Um, And I was, I remember the feeling of being, yes, sad and concerned, but I also was very annoyed because my mother and I never got along and I had a very demanding career and I kind of was a horrible daughter. I didn't pay attention to her at all, except, you know, to show up every once in a while to say hello, but we were not close at all. And my mother and I were like oil and water growing up. I was very different than she was. She was very soft-spoken, very, um, you know, homemaker. She was very kind and gentle and, you know, just really more of a mom. And that was her total aspiration where I had this, um, you know, feeling of being, you know, I wanted to accomplish, you know, the world, you know, I wanted to take on the world. So I was more um, just focused on selfishness. I was unmarried. She wanted grandchildren. It was everything about me was just the antithesis of what she stood for. And I think that was kind of the interesting thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, you know, I guess I can look at myself as being lucky because my mom and I always were very mm. close growing up. Oh, but my mother was, that were. yeah. And when that happened and I showed up at the hospital, uh, the first thing, you know, they asked me, which is crazy was, are you the POA? <laughs> and I looked at them and of course I didn't know what a POA was the quote unquote. And I, the only thing I could think of is DOA. <laughs> And I remember standing there in the triage and I'm sitting there looking at these thing, you know, these people in Anacortes, Washington Hospital, which is about uh, two hours north of Seattle. And I just I was like just frustrated in the fact that I didn't know what I was about to walk into. And um, and it was really interesting, though. And that was really the pivotal moment of my life, because when I walked into the emergency room and saw my mother laying on a gurney where she used to be like this force for, you know, disapproval and constant criticism to me, she looked up at me with these 
vulnerable, this vulnerability that I saw within here that I'd never seen before. And I don't know what shifted inside of me, but it was all of a sudden, all that stuff that I had against her went away. And it was like this overwhelming, powerful transformation that happened with my mom and I, I was there 500% for her. And that was, I, I still don't know what happened. <laughs> you know, it was really an amazing transformational time of my life. And I really found that, you know, it was a privilege that I wanted to take on. And, um, and I did. Wow. What happened with your, you know, with your career then? Did that get put on? (laughs) Well, um, and and I should, I should, I should clarify one thing. Um, You mentioned POA for our listeners who don't know, because there's a lot of us. Yes. POA, power of attorney. We don't know that stuff till we have to know that stuff. And I wasn't at the time. Yep. And professionals need to realize when they're talking to us, they have to, you know, they can't use all their acronyms and things um, because that just increases our stress levels. So exactly, exactly. And I think Lori, what you're saying is very true because um, I just remember just feeling like I'm not a stupid person, but I feel stupid Mm -hmm. because I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know what questions to ask. Nobody helped prepare me for what I was about to walk into when to see her in that situation. I didn't know what social workers did. I didn't know what caregivers did. I didn't understand the whole process of what a rehab center was, any of this stuff. And I remember distinctly thinking to myself, you know, this is so confusing and I wish I knew more and I didn't. Yeah. And they give you that big packet of information that you have no, no time to even look. I was going to say, (laughs) when are you going to read it? (laughs) No. Um, so, so what, well, going back to your, your job and your career. career, Yeah. What happened? Well, um, immediately I, I told, um, when I left that day that I'll be back the next day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I learned really quickly that that was not going to happen. Um, and, um, so anyway, I ended up, uh, basically having to take a leave of absence from work. Um, which did not go over well. Um, and then, but the thing was, is that it started me on a job, you know, on a new chapter of my life where the doctor informed me that um, they were going to relocate there. We're sending your mother to be with you down in Seattle. So you can continue doing your work. And I remember feeling like here I am, I'm working my job, full-time job. I, and I would go see her every night because I had no idea how to set boundaries. Um, I was consumed with taking care of her because I felt now, not only did I feel this privilege, but I felt guilty for a lot of the things that I put her through as a child. So I was trying to make up for it. (laughs) And, and I'm sure a lot of daughters and sons of, you know, adult parents, they feel that way. It looks like, wow, you know, I wasn't a very, I wasn't the type of child that I wish I would have been, you know, um, I was very rebellious. Um, and so I definitely, um, you know, tried to make up for my shortcomings as a daughter. And, um, so my life spun out of control. And as a result, my job performance went down. And of course, in the sales world, that 
that's not a good thing. <laughs> I always tell people in the sales and marketing world, you get paid exactly what you're worth, you know, as a salesperson. So, um, so the thing that's interesting about my career was that they, um, I went on a, uh, leave of absence. They, I said, I have to take, um, time off. Um, my boss said it's not allowed. Um, I did not know there was a family and medical leave act that I could have utilized in HR. Um, neither did my boss at the time. <laughs> and as a result, uh, I found out about that later because they demoted me from my job when I came back, which was illegal. And, um, which really didn't make any sense. So I got my job reinstated because by that time I knew about FMLA family medical leave act. Um, but then, um, just the next downsizing, they phased me out that way. So I was at that time, um, this was in 2008, I was, um, unemployed, uh, from a six figure job, um, that actually had a, um, you know, in, in a world where they could hire the 35 year old for half the money. So, and, and it was 2009, right at the recession time of the stock market crash. Mm -hmm. And so there I was, I was in a scenario where I was overpaid for what the market was going to give me. Um, and I just kept kept helping my mom, but my whole world fall ap fell apart. You know, I lost my home um, to foreclosure during that time. Um, there was just a lot of uh, turmoil in my life. Um, I had no ability to, I, no grounding. I, I just felt like everything was gone. And a, certainly my circle of friends were gone because a lot of them were work-related. Work mm -hmm. um, so a lot of that happens. And, and certainly, um, you know, I just remember this feeling of, you know, I had this voice in the back of my head and I am a big reader of, I don't know if you're familiar with Emma Curtis Hopkins, but she's one of the, um, she has backgrounds in Christian science, but she then became a, one of the top teachers in new thought. Mm -hmm. And Emma is a mystic. She was a mystic because she was way ahead of her time. And one of the things Emma said um, in one of her teachings was, if you see a job, it's yours. And you really think about what I was going through. And I kept saying, there needs to be a place where people can learn what they're dealing with, where they can ask the proper questions. So when they meet with people, they can you know, they can find that. So that's what happened with my career is I wrote a business plan. <laughs> I cashed out my 401k, which was dismal at that point, at that point in time, um, which wasn't very much money, but I did the best I could and um, did and uh, started Answers for Elders. So that's what happened. Wow. I, I, I want to ask you, because yeah. you've been through so much, What's the number one question you would you would encourage others to ask providers when you get thrown into this whole big mess? And I mean, that's what everyone considers it. It's just a big flipping mess. Well, I always I'm going to flip that question around on you because I think it's a responsibility with the provider. Um, I always ask providers, what's the number one question at the back of somebody's mind? And that is, can I trust you? 
It's not about how much it costs. It's not about anything, but it's that feeling of, I feel vulnerable. My loved one feels is very vulnerable. I, as an adult child or as a senior, I have all kinds of fear about the unknown of my life. And how can I make sure that you as a provider will take care of me? And, um, you know, a lot of times they go in with these slick sales pitches and, you know, you're getting, you're, you know, you're taken into a retirement living and you're given a tour and all these things. And you just sit there and you think to yourself, you know, I remember that feeling of feeling like a deer in the headlights. And what I needed was some sort of an assurance that they were trustworthy, that, that my mother would matter. Um, and I think that goes with anything and anyone in our industry, um, you know, is remembering what the process is that families are dealing with. So if that makes sense for what I'm sharing, that's what I would say. No, I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I know for me, it was, uh, you know, uh, you're not just serving one. <laughs> no, you're, you're serving a family. So don't think for a moment that you're just serving one because you're, yeah. you know, I've got an, a, vul- a vulnerable adult here and you're going to have to answer to me and I can be your biggest raving fan or I can be your worst nightmare. Exactly. And it, and it's exactly. You <laughs> how you want to deal with me. Are you going to be respectful of both of us? and our questions and our thoughts and our opinions. And are you going to use that as a learning experience Mm -hmm. as well? Because uh, there's a lot of people out there that won't ask those questions. And, and the whole process can just be done so much easier if we work as a team. Yeah. And And that's the thing too. It's, it's that element of respect. Yeah. I think a lot of times I went, I would go into like a doctor's appointment with my mom and yes, she had vascular dementia, but she could carry on a conversation and she knew that she was there. I mean, she wasn't, uh, you know, out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. She just got things screwed up. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, it, the bedside manner of so many doctors that I experienced was just horrific. I, I mean, and I called up some of them out to their face right there in the, in the meeting. It's like, you know what, this is my mother's life. You speak to my mother. You don't speak to me. Um, and, and this diminishment of talking about her, like she's not in the room. Like, I think your mom needs to do this. It's like, what is this? Where, where have we gone that we don't respect, you know, number one, the senior, but number two, you know, the support, that a caregiver provides and in the fact of understanding the dynamic and the, you know, it just blows my mind sometimes how, how, you know, our seniors and their caregivers are treated. Well, and you know, when you, when you said about talking about them when they're right in the room, you know, you really have to advocate. And I had one, one yep. gentleman um, who was caring for his wife with dementia and he fired his financial planner. This is not just for medical professionals. This mm-hmm. is for all of us. This is for family. This is for friends. This is for everybody. And what he said uh, to his financial planner, when you disrespect her, you disrespect me. Mm-hmm. She might Thank not God be- for him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he said, I was really uncomfortable that he understood our situation because yeah. of the way he acted. And I'm sure the guy didn't like losing his account one little bit, but hopefully he learned something from that. You know, you'd think so. Sadly, they don't. (laughs) Oftentimes it's like, 
I don't know. Uh, and it's just really, I, I think one of the things that I'm really glad to see is I'm glad to see organizations out there like healthcare that are starting to do more in the way of telehealth, which is helpful. And also in the way of doing, um, you know, like, like one medical seniors, they actually take the time with everybody where they just don't rush you in like cattle, you know, they explain things and they put things through to take the time. And I think that's starting to shift. I hope my fingers are crossed, but um, you know, I've always been an advocate for, you know, making sure that our seniors matter. People, you know, need to be seen and heard and um, so do caregivers. Exactly. Exactly. For those of you that are new and just tuning in right now, we are talking with Suzanne Newman, the founder of Answers for Elders. And we've been talking about her journey, how caring for a mother who she didn't really get along with <laughs> changed her life and was really unexpected. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like there were some gifts wrapped in there where they Many. were a- able to you know, come back together. And uh, we're talking about teamwork and, and response, how we talk, how we interact with one another. Mm-hmm. So again, check out uh, her, her website, which is answersforelders.com, or you can always email her at Suzanne at answers for elders too. Um, let's keep going. This is just a, I, I love talking with you. You know that I could talk with you. <laughs> I love talking to you too, all, girlfriend. All day long. So Suzanne, I really want to talk to you about the inspiration for creating um, Answers for Elders. Everybody has those moments where they're going to do something, but you know, 99% of the population doesn't get off the stick and actually <laughs> do it. So yeah. how, did you, how did you make this all happen? A lot of blood, and, blood sweat, and tears, Lori. But um, you know, I never wanted a family to go through what I went through. Um, My mother thought she was prepared for her aging years. She wasn't. Um, My family was pretty much dropped her in my lap and I had no support. I was single at the time. Um, So I was trying, I, I felt like I was grasping at any sort of answer in the world. And yet Um, I realized that I was just so ill-equipped to make life-changing decisions that I was making on her behalf as she declined um, to, to really, you know, it's not fair. It's not set up that way. And so I started with the vision that I wanted a place where people could get answers um, that's the name of the site. Um, it started out in 2009 as a website, as a content, um, site. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to raise enough seed money to get going. Um, but you know, I had some bumps along the right way in the early stages, like we all do. Um, and, uh, but I was very fortunate in the fact that I kept, I just knew that I was, there was something internally within me. And I think, um, you know, I use visualization a lot for my, uh, when I set goals or what, what am I going to accomplish? I had this vision in my head of like the Phoenix rising out of the ashes. I knew that there was a, a former boss that I used to work for. That, you know, whenever we experience failure in their lives, like I had was, had done, um, there's a saying by Abraham Lincoln, 
that he would quote to me. And it was, it's never a disgrace to fall in the mud. The disgrace is when you lie there and squeal like a pig. Um, I am not a victim. I will never choose to be a victim. And um, I made the choices to get me in the situation that I was in. But I also could make the choices to do something with that experience and um, help others in the process. And I think that's really what was the impetus to start AFE was to really take, you know, my experience and use that as, you know, as what not to do. (laughs) I was the poster child for pretty much everything that could go wrong, did go wrong, but um, I made a choice to do something positive. So that's wonderful. And I'm, I'm so glad that that you made that happen because you've affected so many people's lives, you know, Oh, thank you. probably not just around the country, but around the world, you know, because people are are scrounging for this information and it's, it's long overdue Mm -hmm. um, to meet that need on a real personal everyday in the trenches level. You know, know, what you're saying is so true. And, and it's like, you know, it's amazing when I get you know, every once in a while, I'll get a little note on, on social media, mostly, you know, on our Facebook page, somebody will send me a note and say, you know, thank you for your radio show. Thank you for what you do because it helped my family so much. Um, and, and that's the thing I think that's so important is that families should not have to suffer like this. It, you know, aging should not be so difficult. And, you know, I, I, it makes me angry so often when I see scare tactics come across, you know, like, like your, you know, your Medicare is going to be gone or all these things that happen. It's, it's using fear to keep people afraid. Um, and, it doesn't have to be that way. It it can be supportive. It can be loving. It can be a very special time for, for, um, you know, seniors and their loved ones to be, you know, surrounded in, you know, the, the special magical moments, you know, and being a caregiver it's, I always say was my greatest privilege. It was the hardest thing in my life that I'd ever done, but it was also my greatest privilege. It was something that I wanted to convey to people that are there taking care of their loved ones. There are those magical moments, those miracles that happen, whether it's a glimmer of an eye or, you know, a conversation that you never would have had when you were younger. It's that connection that you carry with you. And I will say now my mom passed away in 2011 and, um, it's those magic moments that stay with me, you know, every day. And I am so lucky now I get to honor her every day of my life. You know, if when I'm working with families, it's like reliving my own journey again. And, um, but this time I know better. (laughs) Well, and I, I think, you know, storytelling is such a powerful mode of communication and, and support. And it allows people to be heard. And, you know, there's no one way that's right or wrong. Every person is different. Every environment's different. Every relationship, resources, all of that stuff. And yet our, our healthcare system has this cookie cutter model. Ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. And it's, it's ridiculous. It needs mm-hmm. to be much more customized. And the only way they're going to be able to do that 
is to listen to people, I think the way you and I do, to include them in the conversation. Because, um, and again, this is just a pet peeve of mine with all this stuff, but I think people think once they push something out, it's perfect and it never needs to change. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think everything we push out needs to be fluid and we always have to be looking at how can we best meet the needs, but when the higher and and meeting the needs has to be in where people make miss the mark in our industry is they focus way too much on the practical, like you're going to save money and you're going to do this rather than the emotional needs. Um, I always tell a story. I don't know if you ever heard my, I I guess I'll share it. If you've heard it, you probably heard it before, but I talk about the Monte Cristo sandwich and this is a crazy little story, but I shared it on Facebook not too long ago, but um, you know what a senior living provider of mine, um, shared a story on her podcast. And she basically said uh, to the family, uh, you know, as they're triaging him, this, the father in uh, to their community, they asked, what are his favorite foods? And the daughter piped up and she goes, he all, he loves Monte Cristo sandwiches. I make them for him all the time. We go to a restaurant that he wants to go. That's what he loves. So now in the community, they host one day a week, a month, they call it Jack's Monte Cristo day. And they always have that Monte Cristo sandwich on the menu. And it's called Jack's Monte Cristo sandwich. Now that is such a simple thing for a senior living community, but that tells Jack every day that he matters, that he's, he's on a the part. Menu. Yes, he's <laughs> on the menu. And you know, this is a thing that's filling that that emotional need to be heard and to be seen. Um, And I think that that's one of the things that, you know, it's a simple thing for them to do, but my goodness, what is this tell the family every day? Every time they go to share lunch with their dad and they see that on the menu or they celebrate Jack's Monte Cristo day, he gets to be honored in, in a community. He, all of a sudden he's an integral part of that community. And that's what I think everybody needs to be, whether you're, you know, whoever you are, it's, that's what signifies home to you because I'm there, I matter. And I think a lot of times people um, in our industry, they forget that they want to show the fancy chef or the restaurant, right. But they don't think about maybe Jack's not going to feel comfortable getting all dressed up because it's such a nice room. You know, maybe Jack would rather have, you know, a coffee shop that he'd like to go see with his friends or different kinds of things like that, that would be, um, you know, important in his life. And I think that's the thing that um, we miss, you know, we miss the mark sometimes. Yeah. It's the, it's the soft, comfort, comfortable cell. The one that, like you said, touches the heart because mm-hmm. that's, that's what impacts us. That's what calms all of us down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it says we've been heard. We're part of the community. We're not it left is. out. Um, those are, those are huge things. And, and like, you know, Lori, you and I kind of are the only kinds of people, cause we help people tell those stories. Mm-hmm. You know, we tell the stories of how people want to be heard and it, we, we bring forward the heart and everything that we do. Um, there isn't any other real resource that I know of that that's what we do. 
you know, every day. And I think, you know, we're lucky we're in a situation where we can do those types of things. Um, it doesn't happen anyway, you know, anywhere else. Yeah. Well, and I, I call it emotional based training. I think once we, when we can shift the mindset to a heart set, things, things happen and they're, and they're remembered. It's not a rote remembering, Mm -hmm. but but it's, it's a felt remembering. Even like when you were talking about your mom, it's those little moments, the glint in the eye, mm-hmm. the holding yes. your hand, th- those little conversations. They're not big, fluffy, woohoo, I gotta, you know, this is gonna blow everybody's mind, but it blows up your heart and yeah. it, it makes that connection. So it's the much fact easier. that on Christmas Eve one year, when my mother was in skilled nursing at that time, um, mom loved oyster stew. It's one of her favorite things that I used to make. So I called the chef at the, a senior living. And I said, or the skilled nursing. And I said to him, I would like to bring my mom some oyster stew for Christmas Eve. Would you let me do that? And I was a little uh, concerned because it's oysters, it's shellfish, you know, they want to make sure that they're liable on their property and all that stuff. You know, he was so gracious and so kind. He goes, Suzanne, you bring it to me, um, made, I'll heat it up for you and we'll serve it to you. And I mean, mom, we just surprised her. It was like, she ordered something else on the menu. It was like really funny. And I sat there with her on Christmas Eve, but that was that little oyster stew, the glimmer in my mom's eyes. When she looked at that, um, you know, that bowl of creamy, you know, oysters, it was really special to her. And, and she said, did you bring this? And I go, yeah, I did. And she was like, I love this. It was so wonderful. And this is like, you know, five months before she died. So when you realize that piece, you know, that you can do little things like that um, to honor people, that's the heart. That's the thing that, that lets people know that they care. Yeah. Well, and the trust that the staff is building with the family, knowing they get it. And you know what, let's, we can raise this up even another notch. Let's surprise her by doing this and we'll bring it out and you just sit back and enjoy. Yes. Yes. And they, and they did a whole thing of, you know, your daughter's here and, and it was so special and mom, you know, they even put a little table in the corner where, and they put a long tablecloth on there because I was coming and I said, mom, I have a little surprise for you. And there we went, sat the two of us um, in, because I just couldn't bring her home. You know, it was at that point in her life where it was, it was just really, really overwhelming to get her in my door. Um, But, you know, you can still do things. You can still make magic moments with those as they're, you know, she was five months away from passing away at that point. Wow. And, and we don't know those things, you know, no. but you're, but you're creating those moments of joy that just embed in your heart. Exactly. 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 So why don't you tell us about your passion in terms of education and empowerment for seniors mm-hmm. and their families and yeah, how you see yourself doing that through Answers for Elders? Well, <clears throat> first of all, elder care, when I use the term elder care, it's interconnected. There is not a thing that you do if you're going to, well, we'll just use senior living. If you're going to check a loved one into senior living, you need to know their health care resources and you're dealing with health care. You're dealing with care plans. You're dealing with social workers. You're dealing with physical or occupational therapists. You're dealing with attorneys. 
legal documents, um, financial people, movers, uh, realtors. <laughs> There's a million different um, you know, services that are involved and they all have to somehow handshake together. They have to understand the family. They have to understand the path of how you're moving forward. And if you're the family caregiver or someone that has to move this you know, this big project forward, right? Which there always is the one. How do you get the right resources to do that? What are the right questions that you need to ask? So my whole point is, and the reason why I use the word empower, a lot of these services, they have 800 numbers you can call to find a place for your parent. And I'll just say that. And they don't educate the client. They tell people that, oh, yeah, we have care managers that will assess your your people on the phone. Well, they don't. They don't have see a single fit, uh, record. They're salespeople mostly. They, they might know a little bit about how to ask questions. It's given to them on a form. But they're not specifically trained in care plans, um, understanding the values of that senior, um, you know, what's most important to them, what you know, what their culture is like, anything like that. Instead, you call up, they get your information, and then they send out leads in a blanket um, area because they get paid based on referral fees by the senior living communities. So what happens is, is that no matter where you go, there, you know, the senior living community is on the hook for paying like you know, up to a month's rent, sometimes more of a seniors to, you know, house. And you de- you're you not even given the full list of what's there because if they're not cooperative with their service, they're not going to be referred to. So <laughs> therein lies the, um, the little catch 22 in our industry. Well, I don't like that. I don't feel, feel it serves the family. The family, it, they're invested because they want to use your, you to use their service. They don't want to educate you so that you could do this on your own as a consumer. Um, That's wrong. That's morally wrong. Nobody knows a senior better than their son or daughter or adult child or close family member or close friend that's helping them. How can they determine what is the right type of community for them to live in? They can't. What it's better to do is what Answers for Elders does is we have at the core of everything, which is called our decision guide. Our decision guide consists of 65 categories of expertise. It's what I call the heartbeat of everything we do. Um, it guides families through what is the industry lingo around this? What, what do they talk about? What do they do specifically? What are the questions you need to ask for a subscriber? Who, who, who are the governing associations that are affiliated with these people? What kind of cert- certification that they do they need to have? So it's basically a document that you can download. It's free on our website because I, all my content is free. I don't believe in charging for it. And what I want people to understand is, is that they can then take that, that um, decision guide with them when they're touring a community and know the right questions to ask. They can know how to, you know, there's ways in which, you know, things that they may not think about to ask. So we do that in numerous ways. We also, 
um, help people understand the whole process of what do elder law attorneys do? What are these documents about? How do you know how to set these people up? And then um, as Answers for Elders has grown now, we are now primarily, and I will say primarily, about 99% of our content on our site now is our podcasts. We have about 1,000 podcasts out on the, again, using the decision guide as our as our you know blueprint we feature experts in all those 65 categories of expertise to empower families and each and one of our podcasts is under 15 minutes um you can you can listen to people you can go in they're all transcribed so they're search engine friendly and so we have the ability now to have people you know you can get your questions answers 99% of the people that have questions can probably find a podcast that we've talked about it. Wonderful. Um, yeah. Again, if you're just if you're just stopping in, we're talking with uh, Suzanne <laughs> Newman with Answers for Elders, and in this segment it was really interesting. We were talking about how she made her vision to create um, Answers for Elders come true, and how to serve in a special way that really stands out in creates joyful moments and builds yeah. trust. And then of course her, her decision guide, which is free that you can download. Well, let's keep going here. Um, this is just such good information for, for our listeners. Mm -hmm. You know, you have had a passion that runs so deep with your seniors and in your community. Talk a little bit, because a lot of people might not know on, on my channel about your 12 days of goodness and mm -hmm. then the Washington therapy doodles too. Well, again, this comes from my passion. Um, 12 Days of Goodness is a program that we team up with the Seattle Seahawks here locally um, in Seattle and with the legends, with the Seahawks alumni. And what we do is we take 12 days, like just 12 days of Christmas, we call it 12 Days of Goodness, and we go to community senior centers around Greater Puget Sound to for one purpose, and that is to touch the hearts of seniors. Um, the legends show up. These are the guys that they used to cheer for, so they have more relevance to them than than our current players, right? And although they love the current players, it's still, it's just that heart of Again, that connection. These are the fans that they cheer, that cheered for them. And we have luncheon events all over and it's a big cheer and we celebrate at the peak of the season, um, the Seahawks. And of course, here in Seattle, like it is in Minnesota, mm -hmm. um, you guys are centered around one team, you know, that that's your that's your team. And so, um, you know, we have such a great great time. And of course we have great sponsors that sponsor the program so that we can bring um, joy and, and we do gift tables from senior providers that they come in and bring all kinds of goodies. And we've been doing now the program for the last nine years. And it's really about educating about senior loneliness, um, the heart, the time of the year um, for seniors, the holiday season is often hard because they're, you know, they're facing that, you know, that, that time where they shared with their loved ones. Um, so we do that with um, then. And then during the pandemic, uh, just because of the whole loneliness factor, um, what we found, what I was getting, and I'm sure Lori, you can reiterate this, is so many families that were concerned with their loved ones being alone and quarantined during the pandemic um, and, and watching their loved ones really just have, you know, so much, you um, 
you know, fall around. They're not taking their medications correctly. They're not taking care of themselves. You know, their, their house is, you know, going downhill because nobody's helping them clean house. So there's a lot of things that were going on during the pandemic. And um, so what we did with that was I'm actually the senior um, admin on Facebook for a group called Washington Doodle Owners. And I have two doodle dogs, um, Whidbey and Skagit. And what um, I know that my dog, my, my Whidbey, who's my, my number one, she was with me every step of the way as I sat here by myself. And my dog was my constant companion. And I will, I will always be so grateful for that connection because I would have sat here alone and I wouldn't have her. And I know that, you know, I realized what a gift she was to me during that time. And, um, you know, the beauty of what we've been able to accomplish has been, um, that we have people, you know, now that we can actually, uh, get together. And so I reached out to my group and I said, you know, I have this crazy idea. I'm getting calls like crazy people concerned about their loved ones. And I'm just wondering, you know, what would it, is anybody interested in getting therapy dog trained? <laughs> you know, we could take our dogs out to senior living communities and seniors that are locked, you know, stay at their home and we don't have to go in but the dog could and visit them. Maybe they could take a walk around the block, you know, with them where we could go outside and wear a mask and stay six feet away and things like that. So that's what we did. We got a group together and we've started this effort. And we now have over a hundred doodles here in Washington state that are all making visits with um, seniors. And it is the most rewarding program. We're very blessed to do it. And, um, you know, my Whidbey was the number one dog in the state in our group that was certified. And so it was really fun to have her be, you know, ground zero from all the rest of the dogs that came after. So. Wow. Talk about a family that cares. Even the, even the pets are involved. You know? I know. I know. <laughs> and it's really fun. And the doodles now are part of 12 days of goodness, which is really pretty cool. Um, and we are going, we're doing visits, not only with seniors, but we go to like military bases as their, uh, soldiers are getting ready to be deployed. We're going to, uh, behavioral health, um, you know, communities, uh, we're going to schools, we're going to college kids when they're, you know, when they are, um, you know, going through finals and things like that. We go visit some of the colleges. We do, um, you know, all the events for 12 Days of Goodness. And hopefully, um, you know, we've been in lots of discussions with the Seattle Seahawks to do, to, you know, do work with them as well. So oh. as they go to children's hospitals and things like that. Yeah. So it's pretty. And of course, these little doodle dogs are great because they're hypoallergenic and they look like teddy bears and <laughs> everybody loves them. Oh, sweet. I love that. What a great note to, to wrap our show up with. It yeah. just shows, really shows the heart. Um, again, for our listeners, you know, I really hope that you like, click and share this episode here with uh, Suzanne Newman with Answers for Elders. And I want to say oh, one more thing, Lori, is starting March 4th, our radio show will be syndicated in multiple markets across the United States. So please know to your listeners, um, go to our website. As soon as we know what cities those will be, um, March 4th, you'll be able to catch Answers for Elders Radio. 
Oh, I love it. Congratulations. That's, that's yeah. really, really absolutely fantastic. And, and I'm looking forward to having Lori on our platform as well, um, because uh, there's a lot of close, we're very close to bringing her on board. And <laughs> I am just really honored that we're going to join forces and do some amazing things together. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited too. So hopefully we'll We'll get this all pulled together shortly. So um, we'll be, it will just be so much fun to be able to work with you because it was been way too long since we talked last time. I know it was, <laughs> I know it was. Well, it's just, I, it's just really fun. I can't wait to see what happens between the two of us because they always say, you know, two working together is definitely greater than the sum of its parts. So um, we will be doing some amazing things together, my friend. And I'm so honored to have you in my circle. Uh, I am too. Thank you. Um, again, to our listeners, you know, like, click and share this episode, be a giver of hope. There's a lot of people out there you don't know that are struggling with elder care out there, um, not just dementia, there's lots of there's lots of pieces to all of our lives. And not everybody feels comfortable sharing them all. But the more we give them the resources, the more they're going to feel comfortable, like, oh, I'm not an odd duck, or other people are going through this. And those walls come down and everybody's life, you know, gets richer. So again, you can go to answersforelders.com or you can email uh, Suzanne at Suzanne at answersforelders.com. She's also on Facebook with Answers for Elders. And I didn't know if you wanted to give out a phone number or not. Absolutely. If someone wants to reach out and call uh, me to be either a part of our show or just if you have general questions that we can point you to, um, they're welcome to call me on my cell phone, which I have with me 24-7. And that number is 425-802-5300. Great. Thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it. And don't forget to check out alzheimerspeaks.com. We've updated that site and we will be also rolling out our book, Betty the Bald Chicken. I'm just waiting for the final proof to okay that. So that is a story that is, again, much broader than just dementia can be used in so many different elements when we just don't feel like we fit in and and teaches us how we can care better, bottom line. So again, have a wonderful week, everyone. Suzanne, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Lori. It's been a pleasure. Bye now.